Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lessons. We noticed this morning from this text of Matthew 25 that there were five foolish women. These were the bystanders. They were there, but they were not available. Tonight we're going to notice the five wise women. They are the ones who are standing by because they were there and available. <clears throat> I want us to remember that this parable opens with Jesus comparing these, this wedding feast with the five wise and the five foolish to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So when he talks about, we discussed this morning, those foolish ones, he's not talking about those people in the world. He's talking about the five foolish who have been called and were a part of the party, the wedding feast, as part of the bride of Christ. But though they are a part, they were not ready. They were there, but they were not available. Tonight, we notice the other side. I was thinking <clears throat> today about this, and it occurred to me, and I, I run across this a lot, and you probably do too. The English language has a lot of really strange things in it. And it's fun. Many times it's really fun. There'll be times that I'll be driving down the road and I'll think, I'm going to make a list of words like that. And then uh, some other time, I want to make a word list like that. I never get around to doing it, but it pops up. Well, I had a couple of those thoughts. <clears throat> I'm using this idea of by standing and standing by, flipping them around. How about income and come in? Just flip it. And it has a, a different meaning. How about understanding and standing under? Well, where was he? He was understanding the bridge. I oh, know, he was standing under the bridge. So we have situations like that, right, that we can use. And that's what I was doing, this bystanding and standing by. There is a way in which these words do relate to each other. Certainly bystanders are standing by the situation, but they are not standing by in the definitional sense of available. But we're going to talk about this idea of being available, ready for the Lord. <clears throat> to do that, I want to think first of all about the definition of what we're saying when I talk about standing by. Now, standing by is a term that we use for different kinds of things. But really the word itself, the, the technical word itself, is a word that says, I am becoming or to be beside. 
I have become beside. It's a, it's a Greek word, compound word. And therefore, this idea of being here and not just with the physicality of the story, not just that part, there's something else. I want you to take your Bibles right quick and let's open up to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I want you to <clears throat> notice how this word is used so that we can come to an understanding, to an understanding of the Word. We're going to start in Acts chapter 5. We're going to walk through a number of passages and just notice a few things about it. Before we get there, remember this idea of standing by is something that God has always called us to. We see it a number of times in the Psalms when David said, My soul waits patiently for the Lord. Psalm uh, chapter 40 and verse 1 and chapter 37 and verse 7. Uh, chapter 33 he says, He is my shield. He, I am waiting patiently. He is my shield. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 3 said that God listens to those who patiently wait for Him. God honors them. So the idea of standing by, waiting patiently, waiting on God, is exactly what we are seeing within this term. But there's something there that I really want us to notice. So I want to begin in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to notice... Starting in verse uh, number 17, you'll notice that the apostles had been imprisoned, right? The verse uh, 21, they were led out by an angel. And so, verse 21, the leaders heard this. They entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. The high priests and those came and called together the council with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came and did not find them, that's that word, when they came, that's this word, when they came and did not find them, they returned and reported saying, indeed we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them we found no one inside. Now when the high priests and the captains and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. When the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, they feared lest they should be stoned. Here's the idea. They came. This word is sort of a come to be beside of. That's what was used here. So, when they came, they found this. When they came here, they found that. That's what's going on in this text. All right? <clears throat> Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Now, you know the story of Saul's conversion. And of course, he was a bad dude. And people were afraid of him. So, we see in verse 23... After many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They watched 
the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, led him down through the wall in a large basket. Here it is, verse 26. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Here's this word again. When he came to Jerusalem, when he arrived, isn't there more in that word than mere change of position or geography? Look at chapter 10. Chapter 10, you recall how that God appeared to Peter and sent him to Cornelius. Look at verse 30. Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting till this hour. At the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. When Peter had Come to the house of Cornelius. This is not merely a geographical change of location. There's something else going on here. Look at chapter 11. Verse 22. <clears throat> when there were people being scattered by the persecution of Saul, of course... Look at verse 22. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem because there were people in Antioch that were hearing about the gospel. They sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. Okay? When he came. When he changed his location. Well, yeah, he changed location. He changed his geography but there's something else going on here. What's happening? I think understanding what's happening helps us understand what this word means. Go to chapter 15, starting in verse number 1. <clears throat> Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small discussion or dissension and dispute with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem uh, to the elders and the apostles about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, describing the conversion of Saul with great joy. Look at verse uh, 4. When they had come to Jerusalem. Now there are a number of other passages. I'm going to stop with those. Some more there on the outline. What's going on here? There is an intentionality here that I want us to see in this word. I want us to understand the definition of what he's saying. When he's saying to stand by, this is the word of stand by. This is the idea of come here and there's something connected. Let me suggest to you that standing by in these passages means to be present with a purpose. Present with a purpose. Not only with a purpose, 
but with a purpose to be more than merely present. Bystanders are present. They might have a purpose, but they're just present. Those who stand by are present, and they have a purpose, and it's more than being merely present. So I want to give this thought in this idea of those of us who have decided that we don't want to be bystanders. We want to be standing by, waiting for the Lord. What does that mean? It means to be present with a purpose that's more than being present. Go back now to Matthew 25. Let's notice a few things about these wise women in Matthew 25. <clears throat> in the first place, they had a purpose. Verse 1, they went out to meet the bridegroom. That was their purpose. The whole reason for their being there was to meet the bridegroom. We talked about the Jewish wedding and how that occurs this morning. They had a purpose, and their purpose was to meet that bridegroom. So there they are. They're standing by with a purpose. But number two. This word standing by is not a time-sensitive word. Not a time-sensitive word. Now, if you say to someone, uh, I'm going to come see you and you just wait till I get there. Most of the time, if it's a long time, you're just going to say, I give up. I waited and I waited and you didn't show up. I'm finished. But that's not what this word is. This word has no time on the other end. Because the text says that he delayed his coming. In fact, they delayed so long. He delayed so long, they had time to take a nap. They were sleeping. There doesn't seem to be any negative thing attached to them sleeping. They were there. And he was delayed, so they slept. But it is not a time-sensitive word because verses 6 and 7. At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. They had a purpose that was more than being present. Now they jumped up and now they had something to do. Now it was their turn to do what they were supposed to do. And they were ready to do it. Because standing by requires readiness. The time never runs out. Readiness says, whenever the time happens, I'll be there. I'll be standing by. Now notice verse number 10. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Standing by allowed them finally to stand with. 
we understand what this is talking about. We get it because we live in this world and sometimes we just get tired. You ever get tired? And I'm not talking about a Sunday afternoon dozing off to sleep. I'm not talking about a work week ending is one of the hardest work weeks of your life and you can barely move. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about tired of the continual fight with the devil. Tired of the struggle. Tired of the disappointment. Tired of being let down. Tired of failing yourself. You just get tired. <laughs> I sort of get it. The older I get, I sort of get it. And I don't think I'll ever forget being at the hospital when Doris Morris was very, very sick. She coded. And they brought her back. And as I was standing there with Al, after a while, one of the first things she said was, I'm mad at you because you brought me back. I get it up here. I admit I'm probably not there yet. But intellectually it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Now that's a person who was standing by. And she was ready. And when she came back, she wasn't just really excited about it. Wow. I only hope to get there. But while we're here, let's think about what it means to stand by while we're here. What does God call us to do? How does He call us to come to be here? To be present with a purpose that is more than being merely present. We use this term standing by in different ways. Let me give you a few and notice how they fit the Christian life of standing by. Think about the police officer who has been sent to a location. And he says on his radio, standing by, waiting for further instructions. There he is. Waiting to hear the next thing. He's standing by. God calls us to stand 
by in Scripture, waiting to hear further instructions. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God calls us to understand the will of the Lord. That's waiting for further instructions. We're not looking for a message from God outside of Scripture. It's connected to Scripture, but we're standing in Scripture waiting to hear from God. Owen called attention this morning in class to the seven times in Revelation 2 and 3 where God said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. God calls us to stand by. Just like that police officer at the ready waiting for further instructions. What am I going to do? God says you wait, you stand in Scripture to understand the will of the Lord. Now if you're standing in Scripture, you're there. That means you've got to be in Scripture. Can't be away from it. We've got to be in it. And if I want to understand Scripture, I've got to be in Scripture. I need to read. I need to, to study. I need to think. I need to meditate. But times of our Bible class, for instance, when everyone has input, there is great meaning there, great learning that happens, great understanding that's being presented. And we, by sharpening each other, come more to understand what the will of the Lord is. Number two, God calls us to do what we use this phrase, she was standing by her friend. She heard a story about her friend. She didn't believe it. She didn't think it was true. And instead of assuming that it was, she was standing by her friend. God calls us to stand by with support when someone is in need, like a true friend would do. The Proverbs writer in chapter 17 and verse 17 says that. A brother is, or a friend is born for adversity, and a brother loves at all times. It's the other way. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A true friend is there in times of difficulty. One of the saddest texts of Scripture might be 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing, and the last thing he wrote apparently. And he said, no one stood with me at my last defense, 
they've all forsaken me. In one way of speaking, Saul was one who put people on trial in his early life and didn't stand up for them, stood against them. And at the end of his life, apparently people didn't stand up with him. They left him. There are things that we hear about others. And sometimes we are tempted to accept what we hear immediately without even thinking, is it true? Let me follow it up. Let me find out. No, we, we begin to spread it around and talk about it. Standing by means that I'm not going to spread that kind of gossip. But number two, what if it is true? I'm still standing by because I'm going to support that person spiritually. I mentioned my friend this morning. It is true. Price is going to be paid, it already has been. But Christian brethren need to stand with this person. Not supporting the error, obviously, but supporting spiritual renewal in spite of every loss because of the actions. Finally, third, we use this phrase this way. Don't worry, I have a generator standing by. You know what a generator is, right? The generator says, I'm, I'm, I'm standing here, I'm ready, and I'm available, and when the electricity goes off, you got me, I'm your backup. God calls us to stand by like the generator is available during trouble. When I hear the definition of faith in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When I see that definition and I understand what is going on. And the writer continues and says, the elders obtained a good report in these things, in this faith. And then I hear the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. I think the Christian life has a generator sitting right there that kicks in when we choose to access it. And it's our faith. 
Now, people who don't understand Scripture, don't understand Christianity, they say, "Uh uh-huh, it's a cop-out. Faith is a cop-out. It's just a cop-out. You can't trust it. You just, you don't have any place else to go, so you just label it as faith, and therefore you think you have something. No. You know, people live by faith every day and don't even understand it. Every business person who gets on an airplane and flies to a new location has faith that that plane is going to do what it does. And when that person gets on that business flight, does he understand everything about flight dynamics? Probably not. So it's a cop-out, right? Just cop-out. Faith, cop-out. Faith in the airplane. No. It's a tried, tested, and true concept, an airplane. And how many things could we use to illustrate that same idea? Faith is not where you go when you run out of evidence. Faith is where you go because the evidence has driven you there. The evidence has driven you to this point, and based on that, you can know where it's going, and I have faith. So, faith is for a Christian, the generator. God calls us. You stand by in Scripture like a policeman waiting for further instructions from the dispatcher. You stand by with support of people in trouble like a friend is born to do. And you stand by like a generator having faith that will kick in when things seem to fall apart. And when you do that, you're standing by. It's amazing how deep the simple written parables of Jesus are. You can't even seem to fathom all of their depth when they appear so simple on the surface. May God help us to stand by, not be satisfied, to be bystanders. God has called you to stand by, and if you need us to stand by you, to support you in difficulty, to help you in trouble, we always close with an opportunity for you to let us know how we can help you and stand with you, whether to complete your obedience in baptism or pray or support you in difficulty or even in great news. We want to stand by you. Our shepherds are here to meet you. If you need us, let's stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. 
We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.